Welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Braddon. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin, Shane, who goes by Big Orange Balls on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee hober? <laughs> hey, buddy, what's going on? Oh, man. That was a smooth, smooth <laughs> intro mm. if we've ever done one. You know what? I'm just going to let you guys know, this took 20 minutes to get to this point. So I was ready. I said, Mike called, says, you ready? I said, absolutely. Then the memory card's fooled. Then the camera's not lined up. Then this damn mic's not even plugged in. It's one thing after another, but we're ready to rock and roll, baby. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how we get there. You know, it's like an ugly victory. You don't care as long as you win. Yeah, no doubt. Well, hey, brother, I got a little surprise for you. You can't see it, but if you're watching on YouTube, you can dead center in the middle of the screen now i have in my hands here shane some of these exclusive luther burden potato chips and we're going to display these bad boys the entire football season i got to give a shout out to brett monroe shane sent us a couple bags of these come on now he sent two and one like i said is going to be on display so i i ain't opening it and the other one I don't feel right about eating it without you. I, I was trying to, I was hoping to get it for the Mizzou opener, but uh, I'm, I'm sure we'll do another in-person podcast before long, and we'll we'll dive into these bad boys. But just want to say thanks again to Brett for sending us these chips, and man, we encourage anything and everything to be sent us, and we'll throw it up here. And I mean, if you want to send us food, if you want to send us a cowbell, if you want to send us a truck, whatever it is, we will happily accept it on this show. You know, absolutely. What? Add it to the set, you know. I, we got <laughs> yeah. we got hefty lefty up there, you know. That was sent in by a fan, and mm-hmm. and uh, you know we're, this is a pod that was grown by you guys and girls. So you know anything that you could send, that's cool because we're just going to incorporate it in the show. Yeah, and we're going to talk some Missouri football here in just a second, Shane. But mm-hmm. had to start with this. This is one of these clips that uh, you know a little upset that it happened so late after we recorded yesterday. Because mm-hmm. we would have led with it last time. Brian Kelly, man, getting trolled a little bit here in uh, his recent media availability. We're just going to play this intro. And, and just to set it up, you, you kind of really got to listen to what this reporter says. But he's making fun of her for walking into the press conference a little bit late. Let's kick it over to Brian Kelly. So, with that, we'll, uh, we'll open it up to this late arriving uh, media crowd that uh, must have... Uh, Enjoyed the the weekend. Um, that's usually ten dollars um, that we put in the kitty. Um, for we, we'll have a big bash at the end of the year at my place. <laughs> I don't think it has anything to do with winning. I think it has to do with being on time. All right, Shay. So just in case you didn't catch that, what she said, I'll show up on time if you win. <laughs> now we got to say this too shade she has clarified she yeah. was just joking and she only said that because brian kelly was clearly joking mm-hmm. about finding her for being late mm-hmm. so i mean this this is not a, a thing to be read into to where you know the media is out there firing brian kelly and they're running him out of town <laughs> or anything like that but it's just when you're the only damn team that lost in the sec this uh this is just gonna hit a little bit harder you know what Oh, man, my wife's made a couple of these comments. She's apologized for it later, you know. <laughs> we we just messing around, ain't we? <laughs> you know? 
yeah, sure, honey, but that really hurt. It doesn't matter. So, <laughs> but no, this is obviously this thing went viral, still going viral. Uh, so we obviously wanted to address it. I again, nothing there. She comes out later, apologize. She even, uh, if you get onto our, um, uh, TikTok there, she goes on to explain that they had conversations after the, the press conference and stuff like that. So I, I think there's no news here, but it definitely was fun when it happened, man. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, hey, we got a couple games to break down, but I do want to give a shout out. We've got a pair of guests on this show, Shane, some mm-hmm. really outstanding stuff. From our friends, John Neighbors. He's the host of Locked On Razorbacks podcast and the host of Out of Bounds on 103.7 The Buzz. He's going to talk the South Carolina game. And then we got the great J.C. Sherbert, owner of the Big Spur, host of Inside the Gamecocks. He is also going to preview the Arkansas game. So you see what we're doing here. We're hitting it from both sides. So we're going to play those interviews at the tail end because we went on a deep dive already on South Carolina, Mm -hmm. Arkansas. But right now, Shane, I want to talk some Texas A&M football because, uh, like I've said on previous shows, man, this fan base, they're ready to to run my ass out of town if I ever come down there to College Station. But the Aggies, Shane, they have a real opportunity to make amends this week against an Appalachian State team that damn near knocked off North Carolina on the road last weekend to open a season – and, uh, you know, really be having my eyes on Haynes King mm-hmm. and how he looks a little bit more comfortable in this offense. I have been able to go back and watch the Sam Houston game. They certainly did make some adjustments in the second half of that game. And, and the running game was far, far, far more effective in the second half. But what are you going to be looking for from the Aggies? Because, you know, I don't think it's uh, any surprise we're going to be picking the Aggies to roll. Right. But we need to see it this time. So what will you be – your eyes will be on for the Appalachian State game? Well, I mean, let's face it. The opponents should be a little tougher than Sam Houston. Mm-hmm. So we can't afford a sluggish, slow start. I, I think come out with confidence, guns blazing, establishing the run easy, early. You know, this is something they, they had trouble doing last week. You know, you, you will have the most dominant line of scrimmage in this game, take advantage of that. Lean on those big uglies up front. I want to see Achain get get more involved. I want to see a lot of touches here. I, you know, I've touted him as a dark horse Heisman candidate. You ain't gonna do it if you're getting less than a hundred yards on Sam Houston. So that's what I want to see is just you know the progression of Haynes King going into week two. I want to see this running game get established, and I want the defense to keep doing what they're doing. And that is going to uh, just disrupt and and manhandle App State. Yeah, so let's kick it over to uh, Jimbo real quick, Shane, talking to Haynes King. And they still want him to be aggressive despite the fact that he has turned the ball over a number of times in his starts Mm -hmm. here. Appalachian State, what a veteran squad. He he calls it a Power 5 team here. (laughs) Jimbo's he's hyping up all their opponents, isn't he? Oh, God. And getting the the ground game going. So let's kick it over to Jimbo. Jimbo, I know – at this time, Haynes is already kind of a veteran, at least as far as being part of the pro- of the program mm-hmm. and working with him. But is he one of those guys that you have to either dial back the risk that he takes, or is he a guy that that you have to kind of help? Well, uh, you, you just way? keep you keep molding. You, you don't you, listen. You don't want to say you'd rather say whoa than giddy up. I mean, you say okay, intercept, but you can sit there and not make plays. Also, made a ton of play. We had how many balls down the field? Long balls. I mean, plays, big plays, and that's what you got to do. And listen, you you can. Would, would they say whoa to Brett Favre? 
They ask him, don't throw so many rocket balls. Ain't that what it was on TV? And they say, Please get, is that all with the rocket balls now or whatever? But he didn't throw it. I mean, he took a chance down the field on a safety that spun out. He's got to learn at that depth. He can't do it. And two guys on – got to get a horizontal stretch on a guy or let, allow the corner to play. And that was a little bit on our part. But, again, what I say as a quarterback, you're, you're, the, you're their mother. And what your mother does, you, you're, you clean everything up around. When some guy makes a mistake and things ain't right, you're getting out of that play, you're going to the next read, all that. That takes some time to see. But at the same time, he's got to get game experience. He's got to be in the saddle and see it. But at the same time, he made tons of plays. And we want to eliminate those back. But we still have to be aggressive. We have to play with aggressive intelligence in what you do. Jimbo, you said that you know Appalachian State could play in a Power Five, and you know they're just oh, in any out. league, in our league, in anybody's league. I mean, you look. I don't mean to get off that. I was going to talk about them. You talk about their offense. Chase Bryce been there six years, set the school record last year, and he lit it up last week. I mean, six touchdowns. Receivers can run. The backs. I mean, you know, five, the young man from Noel from down in Northwestern can fly. Peoples is a big physical back. Receivers, Deshaun, they can play. Tight ends, experienced. Uh, score touchdown right off the bat. They pop runs on third down. Their, their ability. I'm going to tell you what else you look at. Look at their roster defensively. Nine, the outside backer is going to be a high, high draft pick. Inside 99 is a great player. Uh, eight can run. Secondary seven, six is all-conference player. And if you look, they're fourth, fifth, and sixth-year guys. I didn't know those still existed. <laughs> you know what I mean? I kept looking at that roster, fourth-year guy, fifth-year guy, sixth-year guy. I said, daggum. I mean, when you get to that point, this is, you watch that team. And they were, you know, they were a top-five special teams team in the country a year ago. This team – can play in any league, have great players, have gotten a few transfers in, but have recruited well. They believe they have a culture there. And I'm going to tell you, this is an excellent, excellent football team that can play on all sides of the ball. Really, am, I didn't mean to interrupt that on you, but please. No, that, that answer my question. But I also wanted to ask about um, how much emphasis are you going to put this week on getting the running game going and, and they chain and just – Oh, we will. Just... No, I mean, we're going to have to run the football. I mean, that's what we do. I mean, we're going to run the football. we got to get get synchronized and get things together and get the five guys all executing together. I mean, and, and you know, four out of five or three out of five. And, you know, the second half we did a much better job of that. But we got to get that going to get uh, the plays we need to get. Because, listen, we got to get six some space. You get him some space, good things happen to you. And uh, that's going to be always an emphasis. And always will be. No matter if we ran a lot, we still going to – we got to get better. I do want to make this point, Shane, because I read a uh, really good article. I, I retweeted it from uh, the website Good Bull Hunting. Uh, former Texas A&M quarterback Jake Hubenack was the author mm -hmm. of that magazine or that article, and he just talked about Haynes King and how it was clear in that opener they were really forcing the issue, wanting him to push the ball down the field, and it led to some big plays, but it also yeah. led to some big mistakes. So you know maybe we got a maybe they went into that Sam Houston game saying, well it don't matter, if we throw a couple picks, we're gonna run this damn team off the field. Yeah. Let's let's get this chemistry going with the receivers. So maybe that's a little bit of what happened there with Haynes King, but I mean it's it's five turnovers in, in two starts for Haynes King right. against garbage teams. He has got to stop throwing the ball uh, to the other team. Well, and, you know, and he needs to build confidence, and and you do that by keep winning and reducing those turnovers and keep making the big plays. So. You know, I, maybe we came out of this wrong. I mean, he, Jimbo, you heard him there comparing him to – I don't know if I'm quite ready to compare him to Brett Favre, but, you know, <laughs> there was times that, you know, similar to Brett, that gunsling mentality, mm -hmm. you know, they said, did that cost us a game? But then there was a lot of times you said, did he win us that game? And I think that's what we need here. We need an X factor for Texas A&M at quarterback. You know, it's not – 
this is a program that has potential to to win the SEC. This has the potential to get to a, a college football playoffs. I know they stumbled out of the gates, and I gave them a hard time, but – you know, you do that by creating quarterback play from Haynes King that's above everyone else in the SEC, or at least comparable to some of the bigs. So, you got to do that through practice. This is a guy you've you, we've touched on has not had a lot of uh, opportunities. So, you know, it's 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 basically a glorified scrimmage, and this will be a scrimmage as well. There's no reason Texas A&M should lose this game, even if Haynes King comes out with five picks, they should still win this game. I'm not saying that's what we want. But, again, if he can stair-step into the following week and, and progress into that quarterback we know he can be, then uh, I think Texas A&M will be in good shape. So I'm not worried about it. Uh, I am tired of Jimbo talking about these other damn teams, though. You know, I wish I wish my wife loved me as much as he loves his opponents, you know? <laughs> yeah, and one final thing on this matchup, Shane. I know, you know, college football does not work this way. You can't just say, well, Appalachians – State faced North Carolina, and here's what North Carolina did. So A and M should do it. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily work that way, but no. Regardless, I'm going to throw out these stats, Shane. This is North Carolina rushing total against Appalachian State last week: 215 yards on the ground, 6.1 mm-hmm. yards per carry, three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. So this is not an Appalachian State defense that should be able to hold A and M. And also their quarterback for North Carolina, Drake May, he's a freshman. Threw for 352 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Again, I'm not saying Haynes King has got to come out here and match these incredible numbers, but if he's throwing multiple interceptions and not throwing a bunch of touchdowns, we got a problem on our hands. Absolutely, man. Uh, this again, this should not be a ball game. Are have we? Are we doing a score on this one? No, no. Because I, I okay. Because I did. Uh, I still think it's I. I'm hoping that we don't have a sluggish start, but that's that's the big thing. You ask what I'm looking for here. Just please, please God, just come out two, three consecutive drives and get a touchdown. Yeah. You have it, Texas A&M. You can do this. So that's what I want to see is 21 nothing after three drives. Hmm. All right, Shane. I said we're going to talk some Missouri football. They have got a pivotal matchup here this weekend, going on the road to Kansas State. You know, this is not a uh, you know, a garbage program by any means. Mm-mm. They beat LSU last year in the bowl game. Of course, that was – you know, got to put an asterisk next to that because LSU had about half a football team for that <laughs> game. But they beat Mississippi State uh, in recent years. I know you know that because you bet on Mississippi State in that <laughs> game. Uh, this is a, a program that, that can play with SEC yeah. teams. And this is one where Missouri, I think in many years past, this is an automatic loss for you. But yeah. with an approved Missouri squad – with talent at the receiver position with the defense now number one in the nation, Shane, in defending the run <laughs> after last year being a nightmare defending the run. Yeah. There's a real possibility that Missouri goes on the road and, and earns a win, and uh, that would just be huge for their season if they can start 2-0, and don't you think? Oh, I think it would be very, very huge, Mike. And, and, you know, out of all the programs, I think that had to work on things after week one, Missouri wasn't – as far up there, in my opinion. Uh, I thought this defense was great. 
I thought the secondary, especially the way they swarmed to the ball, I, I, I think they're going to find some more creative ways to give our, our chip man uh, some more opportunities <laughs> to touch the ball. But, you know, this running game was, was impressive. There was a lot of great things that came from Mizzou. Was it sluggish? Was it, you know, was there a couple of just stupid penalties? Absolutely. But I think everybody had that week one. If Mizzou comes out and plays SEC football, man, there's no reason we should lose this game. Yeah, and I said Missouri's got the number one rushing defense. I believe the number is six. They allowed six rushing yards to, to Louisiana Tech, so that's how you're number one. But this Kansas State team, Shane, they ran for – they played a joke of a team, but they rushed for 297 yards. They've yeah. got a really good running back in Deuce Vaughn, so that's mm -hmm. going to be critical. Uh, they blocked a uh, – no, the first play of scrimmage, they 75-yard rushing touchdown. They blocked a pump for a touchdown. So, I mean, it was over early for them in the opener. But yeah. they were only 5 of 14 on third downs, and, and they, they got like 50 passing yards. So, right. this is a team I think Missouri can really take advantage of, even though the fact that this is on the road, there's no reason I don't think that Missouri can go on the road and, and not win this game. I, I think they've got a real chance of starting the year 2-0. and yeah, I do too. I just hate that it is a way. Um, you know, obviously this was one of those one-on-one -one deals. But, um, you know, I hate that fact because I really think a home field advantage could have helped them out here. Um, second off, I, you know, they're they're underdogs. I think, what are they, eight-point underdogs in this thing? You yeah. know, so the country does not think that Mizzou should win this ball game. And, and you and I are on the different, I think, the way, way it sounds. But uh, to do that – Again, it's it, it's. I'm hoping that week one wasn't a, you know, wasn't fake. What do they call it? A fugazi, fugazi. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, that's what I hope is, is that this running uh, defense is 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 legit because they're going to have a huge test this week, and um, I think that's why they were able to just you know take care of business last week because they made that team one one dimensional. So. Um, can they do that with Kansas State? That's that's my only worry uh, with Mizzou. And I think after two weeks, we're going to know, you know, exactly what this team is going to represent moving forward. And so it's a whole new ch test and opportunity. And, you know, going on the road and playing in front of um, – what's the capacity of the stadium? I'm sorry, Mom. Going and playing in front of 50,000 who really don't like you is going to be a whole lot of playing in front of 50,000 who do. So – you know, all that stuff's kind of out the window. And, and again, he's a young player. He's got a lot of talent and ability, but let, let, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. It's going to be a big test for him and all of us this week going on the road uh, and playing in this environment. Eli, when it comes to scheduling a power five outside of the SEC, is this ideal for you? To I'm not getting in trouble this year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think there's things that I feel a lot more confident in. I, I think. Um, there's also things that, that are of, of concern that have to get fixed. I think the best thing about that I've seen about this team is their hunger to improve and their willingness to open themselves up to critique, to ignore the noise and the pats on the back and, hey, we've arrived. We ain't done nothing, all right? We're 1-0, which is exactly what we want to do. But what happened last week, they don't carry any of those points over. They don't carry any of those stats over. They don't carry any of those turnovers over. This is a brand new week with a whole different set of challenges. Uh, with a lot of really good players in a tough environment on the road. So if we're worried about last week or patting ourselves in the back and all that bull crap, we're in for a tough day. So we got to have a, a mature mindset of put that away, 
take what you take from Tate, learn, get better, and focus on this new task at hand. With all the talk about the environment, I know you do as much as you can to prepare guys for a road game, but this is a thing where you don't necessarily know how a guy's going to react until he's out there. <clears throat> Again, I think there are some guys on our team that are very mature that have handled road environments before, and I look for those guys to be leaders and, and um, bring the other guys along. Um, but we got a lot of new guys on our team. And so this is the first time that this team has gone on the road. And so we need the older guys and our coaching staff to make sure that we're um, communicating the standard and upholding the standard of what we like to do on the road, how we go about our business. And we need those other guys to get on board with that, which I, I don't sense that's going to be an issue. But, you know, anytime you're traveling with uh, new guys, um, you know, I think about the defensive side of the ball. There's a lot of new guys, new faces on that side of the ball um, that are traveling for the first time. You know, not so much on offense, uh, obviously, Nate and Cody, but uh, for the most part, the, and Tyler, uh, but for the most part, the offense has stayed uh, consistent with what we've had in the past. Um, but the defense side of the ball has got a lot of new guys that we're going to have to get accustomed to how we do it. Now, one other uh, intriguing matchup here out in the desert, Shane, Mississippi State going on the road to play Arizona. We're very high on Mississippi State. They should cruise through this game. I looked mm -hmm. up uh, the coach there at uh, Arizona, Jed Fish, I think is his name. Yeah, He's won, I believe, two games at home during his career. <laughs> so <laughs> this, is, this is not some juggernaut Arizona program. But uh, their quarterback did have a little bit of a breakout performance. This is a guy that Mike Leach recruited at Washington State. His name is Jaden DeLora. 299 passing yards, four touchdowns in the opener. So we could be getting in a little bit of a shootout-style game. But yeah, check this out. The opponent, they played San Diego State, Shane. Their quarterback, 7 of 16 for 62 yards <laughs> and a touchdown. This ain't who you're facing this week, brother. You're facing Will <laughs> Rogers, red-hot offense. Uh, yes. He's going to have 62 yards per drive against this Arizona defense. Uh, mm -hmm. It's just a completely different animal. So I think there is a little bit of, of hype I'm seeing with this Arizona, with this new quarterback and all that. But to me, Shane, it, that's a factor of playing such a weak opponent right out the gate. And, and I think if Mississippi State plays like they're capable of, they should run this Arizona team off the field. Mike, we're about 20 minutes into this show, and I just realized this is not a pick em. <laughs> I can't I was like why is he not asking me the score you know I was like why would we not <laughs> I I didn't even want to say it Shay but I do it I when know. you were like what, you are we picking the score I was like no oh that, that's tomorrow God. that's tomorrow man that's my COVID brain working right there man so sorry about that everybody's probably listening to me like what a damn idiot you know <laughs> oh I'm sorry man so uh, well, that makes it easier because I don't have to ruin it. Uh, but I, I will say I'm very – obviously, you know, I'm very high on Mississippi State. Yeah. Um, I, I think last week we, we got a glimpse of how good this team could be. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, we're going to hear Coach talk a little bit about Will being upset. And I like that, man. Upset that, you know, things didn't go right, that they didn't score 50 points. You know, that's, that's the kind of quarterback mentality I want there with Mississippi State and the Pirates offense. So, you know, going out west, this is big for, you know, for the school. This is big for the team. But I think it's just big for, for them to tune up and get ready for SEC play because I think after this week, people are going to really start taking a hard look at what Will's able to do down there with the Bulldogs. 
we all always talk about this offense because it's Mike Leach and Will Rogers yeah. and all the star receivers. But I love the fact that you pointed out, you know, they had Memphis at like 29 total yards at halftime. So yeah. for me, this weekend, Shane, it's not about the offense because we know what we're getting. It's how this defense manages this quarterback that, are, that apparently is pretty good because I was singing the praises of the Memphis quarterback last week and they shut his yeah. ass down. So I look forward to them shutting this guy down too. You know what? Absolutely. And this is a team that we expected hit the ground running and they did so week one. It wasn't flawless game. And that's why, you know, why we got some of these comments that you're about to hear, but you know what they do from week one to week two, if this, this team is, is going to be an absolute machine going into sec play. So um, I just love it. I mean, if you're a bulldog fan, you're on cloud nine right now, in my opinion. Coach, after you left the other night, after your post-game comments, Will came in here, and he was uh, – you could tell even despite the fact he'd had a big game, he was still a little bit unsatisfied <coughs> and uh, seemed a little bit aggravated at himself that he could have done some things better. Have you seen uh, – that, that kind of, I guess, was a little bit like your personality. Have you kind of seen that around in the roster, not just out of Will, but some of these guys now that they've been in your system and been under you for two or three years now? Yeah. Uh. That's kind of hard for me to gauge, really. Um, but he is a competitive guy, and he's, you know, he works an awful, uh, awful lot and awfully hard when people aren't around. And I think that um, how good of a player you are, or even a coach you are, is kind of dictated by you know what uh, what you're doing when nobody's around, when nobody's looking, and that type of thing. And I think uh, <clears throat> Will's a really good example of a guy that's really productive with time like that. And I think that. Uh, you know, him and his leadership's kind of rubbing off on the locker room, like you also, you know, LeQuinston as well. And I think we're getting a number of guys like that. Hopefully that, uh, you know, helps, uh, you know, generate a lot of improvement. All right, last thing, Shay, before we get to our, these interviews, I just thought this was great. I mean, it's like a mutual admiration club, Shane Beamer, Sam Pittman, they both coached together on Kirby Smart's uh, initial staff down there at Georgia. Now, of course, uh, obviously head coaches going head-to-head -head this weekend. Shane Beamer shared the story earlier this week of Sam Pittman stealing away Robert Quinn out from under him when he was at Virginia mm -hmm. Tech. And then Sam Pittman, I thought it was hilarious, he was asked about that. So he kind of gave his side to the story. I just thought this was too good not to share. Ton of respect for Sam. Uh, even before we coached together at Georgia, always knew the, or heard the name Sam Pittman going back to when I was here at Carolina and we were recruiting Robert Quinn from Fort Dorchester and we lost him to North Carolina and the guy recruiting him was Sam Pittman. I remember thinking, how in the heck did the offensive line coach at North Carolina just get Robert Quinn to come to Chapel Hill? And um, he did. So knew of him then and, and then got the opportunity to work with him I can't remember the lineman's name, but uh, I guess yesterday Shane Beard mentioned the first time he was aware of you, you were in North Carolina and signed some offensive lineman. I think he would have been at Virginia Tech, and it was like, how did North Carolina get that guy? And I guess that you know, oh no, that was a defensive lineman. I think that's probably oh. why he was. Uh, we signed Robert Quinn, who was a 17th pick, great great guy and great player at North Carolina. Played forever. I don't know if he's still playing or not, but he played up to last year. I don't know if he's still on the roster, but he was a defensive end. And I'll be honest, I don't know how we got him either. You know, I can give you a story if you want it. Yeah, sure. Your stories are always good. Well, we got to work that morning of signing day 
6 a.m. in the morning. And Coach Butch Davis said, have you talked to Quinn yet? I said, no, Coach, I talked to him last night, and he still didn't know what he was going to do. And he said, well, call him. And I said, well, Coach, it's, it's 6 o'clock in the morning. He said, call him. And uh, so, so I text him and, and all those kind of things. And then his mother and I text his mama and his mother texts back. And he, she said, you know, you're going to be, you're going to be excited here in a little bit, you know, and she kind of let the cat out of the bag, you know, and then later on that day, Rob decided he was going to be a Tar Heel and, and uh, Rob had told, bless his heart, rest his soul, John Blake, because John Blake was a D-line coach at the time. And Blake had went in there because Alabama was recruiting him hard. And Blake said, you're going to go to Alabama and their running back coach is recruiting you. And Quinn looked right at me. He said, well, if I go to North Carolina, <laughs> the whole line coach is recruiting me there, you know. <laughs> Blake had a huge ego. It crushed him, you know, but – uh, anyway, uh, we were fortunate enough to get Rob and, and, uh, I think Shane was at South Carolina at the time, maybe. And Robert was from South Carolina. So. God, you know, Mike, I, one day I hope we're big enough, like later in life when these coaches have, have hung it up, you know, and we're uh -huh. sitting there campfire with coach O Sam Pittman, uh, Will Muschamp, you know, some of these guys, yeah. You know, I would just love to just hear the stories. Just sit back, be a fly on the wall, and just <laughs> listen. Like, you know, they're coming out with these stories with, you know, with Robert Quinn, which I think is a great, great one. But what about the stories we're not hearing? You know, I oh, think yeah. after a couple cold, cold beers, we'd finally get some some <laughs> tell the truth. You know what I'm saying? Oh, <laughs> one of these yeah. days. One of these days it's going to happen, Mike. <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by FUBU TV. FUBU TV gives you complete coverage of college and pro football, NFL Red Zone, and games also available in 4K at no extra charge. Over 100 channels of live sports and entertainment for just a fraction of the cost of cable TV. You can watch FUBU TV with all your devices. Never miss a game or your favorite show with this cloud-based DVR. It records up to 1,000 hours of entertainment for you. The best part, there's no contracts no commitment, no minimum deal you got to sign up for, and you can cancel the service at any time. So help out the podcast. If you're looking for television service this football season, check out FUBU TV, and you can try it now for free for seven days and get 15% off your first month. Just go to FUBUTV.com and use that promo code SEC. That's F-U-B-O-T-V.com slash sec you can find this information in the show notes all right brother let's kick it over to our interview john neighbors 103 7 the buzz host of the locked on razorbacks podcast all right we're pleased to once again be joined by the man john neighbors of course you know him host of the out of bounds 103.7 the buzz and the outstanding locked on hogs podcast which is blowing up on youtube i was just giving them credit for it john thanks for joining us really appreciate it absolutely man it's good to be on with you yeah so hey anticipation for this football season was through the roof there in fayetteville 
obviously that's why your channel's blowing up because these these fans are dying to get all the the Razorback content they can get their hands on. What did you think of the the opener against Cincinnati? Because I I've been pumping up Arkansas all off all off season, and I'm, I'm curious to know what you think. I, I was slightly disappointed, but hell, I mean they won a the game and I thought they played an average game and they, and they beat a good opponent. So what's your thoughts on it? Yeah, I can kind of see the same thing you did. Um, I was expecting a little bit more, but I don't think it was necessarily because I felt like Arkansas played like trash. I just think that Cincinnati is that good of a football team. Like they are a good program. Luke Fickle's a great coach. And I, you know, I've I tried to look at from the physicality perspective, because I feel like that's always kind of the biggest difference between SEC teams and group of five teams, is just the physicality. And you know, when you play a like even like Texas last year when Arkansas beat them, Arkansas, you could just tell they were much more physical. They were an SEC team against a Big 12 team. But Cincinnati really did a good job of matching that physicality, defensively, offensively. And even Sam Pittman talked about that in his postgame press conference. And even Trey Knox, uh, who had a great game, uh, came on our radio station and he said, he's like, that was an SEC team. He's like, we, we, you know, we see that physicality from some SEC teams, but there's some that aren't even that physical. So I just think that it was a really good game by Cincinnati. I think that there's definitely some things that Arkansas needs to improve on. The cornerback situation uh, was pretty inconsistent. Uh, Hudson Clark and Dwight McLaughlin were kind of the best guys, but they still, you know, weren't amazing. And of course, the injuries to Jalen Catalan and Miles Slusher, two defensive backs, two of the best defensive backs, don't know the extent of those injuries. But when those guys went out, it made a big difference. So. Um, I, w- I was just a little concerned with the secondary because of those facts, but I thought the linebackers played well. I think the D-line actually played better than what I thought they were going to because that was a big question mark. And I really think the offense in- as a whole is going to be even better than what they were last year. You got the wide receivers, Trey Knox, I mentioned, stepping up as tight end. The offensive line was good. KJ's awesome. Rocket Sanders had a 100-yard game. So I-, I think that there's a lot of lot to be excited about, but I think last weekend was definitely a game of uh, Cincinnati just being a really good football team that's probably going to – win double-digit games this season once again. Yeah, I'm glad you hit on the Arkansas offense because I wanted to ask you, I really thought Cincinnati had a good game plan. They came out, they executed early. Arkansas, you know, they scored the touchdown right before half. That that was an impressive one. But uh, what's the, the ceiling for this Arkansas offense? Because, again, I thought they played a- average. Maybe that's a little too harsh because I, I was just so high on Arkansas. But even that over 200 passing, over 200 rushing, you're going to win every ball game that you do that as long as you're not turning the ball over. So what is the ceiling for this offense with K.J. Jefferson that, you know, he deserves to be in the Heisman conversation, in my opinion? Well, I think the ceiling is going to be a year where last year they were pretty much as balanced as you could get. They threw for a little over 2,500 yards and they rushed for a little over 2,500 yards. I mean, that's balance right there. So I think that they can even take that to a next step. Now, I think the defenses they're going to be facing this year may be tougher than some of them they faced last year. Uh, They don't have to face Georgia, which is nice. So there's that. Uh, But it'll just depend on the matchups. But I just feel like when everybody's healthy, you have an offensive line that's one of the the best in the SEC. You have a wide receiver group of specifically uh, Matt Landers, Jaden Hazelwood, and Keetron Jackson that are all big-bodied, perfectly able wide receivers that are all SEC caliber type guys. And now you have the emergence of Trey Knox at the tight end position, which they haven't had a tight end since Sam Pittman's been there that stepped up. And you see what he's capable of. And then at running backs, we mentioned Rocket Sanders. Dominic Johnson, who was awesome last year, he's been hurt, so he didn't even play. They're expecting him to be back soon. 
So I just feel like there's not really a weakness on this offense. Now, does that mean they're going to put up 45 points a game? No, I, I just don't know if they're set up that way. It'd be great. But I just think that if a team is able to stop them running, they're going to throw it. If they're able to stop them passing, they're going to run it. Like they're just, they have so many weapons and, and so many different elements. And they got a great quarterback in KJ Jefferson and a great offensive coordinator in Kendall Bryles. I just don't see offense in any game this year being the reason why Arkansas loses a game. Yeah, and I don't know if you remember this, John, but it was this time a year ago. I had you on the show. We were talking the Texas game, and you said, keep your eye on this kid, Rocket Sanders. You just referenced he had a heck of a game in the opener against Cincinnati. He, you know, was a standout in that Texas game too. But uh, by the end of this, this season, do you think around the SEC, Rocket Sanders will have a reputation as being one of the best two or three running backs in the conference? I do. I really do because um, he, he was a true freshman last year and you saw those kind of plays of that he made that whether it's against Texas or against Ole Miss or whoever, where you're like, wow, you can see the upside of this guy. And now that he's had that year of offseason, he's not a freshman anymore. He's a sophomore. He's 6'3", about 235, 240 pounds. He's got elite speed. He's like a bowling ball. Like he doesn't go down very easily. As long as he stays healthy, I think that uh, he could be all SEC caliber by the end of the season, which is saying something because there's a lot of good running backs in this league. But just the way that the offense is set up, and Sam Pittman has made it clear that Rocket Sanders is the number one running back. He's going to get the load, even though guys like A.J. Green, Dominic Johnson, uh, Rashad Dabinian, the, the freshman, they're going to get some carries. Rocket's the guy. And so as long as you're going to have an offense with K.J. running that RPO, you're going to have an offensive line in front of him, I, I could see – Honestly, Rocket running for over 100 yards in most games this year. I think he's a 1,000-yard rusher for sure. And I think that uh, having a weapon like him, because he's also, people don't know this, at a high school, he played wide receiver. And so he has that element to his game to where he can play running back, but can you toss it to him? He's got great hands. He knows the elements of uh, getting on the outside too. So I, I think he's going to be one of the premier running backs when it's all said and done at the end of the season, at least in the SEC. And which newcomer for Arkansas impressed you the most in the opener, be it a, a transfer or a freshman or whatever? See, they had a few of them stand out. Drew Sanders, you know, I, he's been my guy. I've been really high on. He had two sacks in this game, and you can see the speed and the athleticism that he has coming off the edge. I really liked what we saw from him. And also Jaden Hazelwood, you know, he caught that great touchdown pass from KJ, and he had three guys around him. He ducked down just in time and got into the end zone. And so that's that's what you look for. So those two guys were in good. Even Matt Landers had some, you know, you could see some potential there too. But uh, another guy is Jordan Dominic, who's actually the uh, all SEC defensive lineman of the week for that strip sack that he had, where not only he sacked the quarterback, but he also got the fumble. And he had a great game. And people forget that he's a transfer. So honestly, uh, most of the best players and best plays from Arkansas were all from transfers on Saturday. But I would have to say either Drew Sanders or Jane Hazelwood are the ones that probably look the best. How big of a concern is it uh, with the secondary? You, you mentioned it there. Not the perfect uh, debut there against Cincinnati. And, of course, uh, we don't know Jalen Catalan, Miles Slusher, if they're even going to play here against uh, South Carolina, which Spencer Rattler, and they got some new weapons to work with. How, how big of a concern is that going into this game? You know, into this game, it's probably going to get me in trouble. But into this game, <laughs> I, don't, I, I, don't think it's, I don't think it's an issue because I just I don't see it as Spencer Rattler. I know that uh, you got to respect him as a team. You got to respect him as a player, but that offensive line for South Carolina is not good. It, it's not. 
And Arkansas's defensive line is improved from last year. It's not perfect, but it's improved. And I think that Spencer Rattler is going to be on the run a lot in this game in Fayetteville. And I, I just don't see him being causing some problems for the secondary for Arkansas. Now, you still got to respect him. He, he gets out on the run. He can make some plays. But I think that as long as you have Hudson Clark and Dwight McLaughlin out there, you know, doing their thing, and I know that they're going to uh, get guys like Simeon Blair at the safety position, get him some run too. Uh, you, got, you have enough there to still be okay. Now, if you're going up against Bama or Ole Miss, you know, one of these teams that has an electric offense, then I would be a little bit more concerned. But I feel like in just in this game, if Catalan and Slusher can't go, which it doesn't look like they're going to, I still feel like Arkansas has enough weapons defensively to keep South Carolina and keep Spencer Rattler in check. Now, I know this is something you just hit on in your most recent show. Go check it out if you haven't already. But the importance of this game for Arkansas's overall season, hell, we, we know what the gauntlet the West is. Arkansas, they just can't afford to lose to an East team if they're going to have any dream of getting to Atlanta, can they? No, no, not at all. I mean, that's the, that's the thing where Arkansas has a great home schedule this year. They have Bama, LSU, Ole Miss, and South Carolina all at home. They have Cincinnati at home, like as we saw them just play. Like They have some of their toughest games besides maybe BYU and Mississippi State. Those games are on the road, but all their toughest games are at home. And that's great, but South Carolina is a team that you're better than, and you have them at home. So you need to win that. You don't want to be getting behind the eight ball where suddenly now it's like, okay, we got to make up for that loss somewhere on the schedule. And there's not a whole lot of opportunities because I think South, I think Ole Miss is a better team than South Carolina. I think for sure Bama, BYU, you know, Auburn may be better than them. We'll see. LSU, they're a disaster. So who knows what the crap they're going to be looking like by the time November comes around. But overall, I just feel like this is a game where you're at home. You, you it's a, it is an 11 a.m. game. That's that's one thing. But it's an extremely winnable game that you're a better team than, so go out and prove it. If you can't do that, I don't know if there's enough time or enough games to make up for it, but uh, you should be able to beat all the teams that you're better than this season, and especially when you have them at home, which you are better than South Carolina, and that game is at home. Yeah, speaking of the game being at home, we, we're seeing Pittman here. You know, he's rallying the troops, got to show up, got to be loud, got to be intimidating. He mentions time and time again, he mentions that trip to Georgia, even though that was a noon game. Those fans in Athens were at an 11. What type of environment are you anticipating Razorback Stadium here on Saturday? Is it going to be a hostile environment? Oh, yeah, I think so. I know it's 11 a.m. And it's going to the sun like the sun was really bad last weekend in Fayetteville, <laughs> like three o'clock game or two thirty game. People in the sun, for the most part, it was upper 80s. So it was warm. But this weekend's going to be a little cooler. But you're going to be in the sun the entire time because it's an 11 a.m. game. But the, the environment will be there because it's it's still an SEC team. It's an SEC game. The weather is going to be beautiful. I think the at kickoff, it's going to be like 78 degrees. So, I mean, it's going to be a beautiful day. And fans are just, they're, they're pumped, man. They're hyped for this team. I'm sure you've seen it on your podcast from Razorback fans, just the excitement that they have. And so if it's a big game, especially, it, it's, it's going to be hostile. And people want this game to start off the right way. They want the... Uh, the edge to get there early. And so I, I think it'll be there. And it's funny you bring up that Georgia game because I, I agree with Sam Pittman, but I'm also like, okay, Coach Pitt, that was a top 10 matchup with college game day being there too. Like it was a much bigger deal. Like if this was a top, if this was Alabama at 11 a.m. and college game day was here, yeah, it wouldn't even be a question. But I still think it'll be solid just because it is an SEC opponent. Fans are excited. It's going to be a beautiful day. 
And uh, with that north end zone and closing that they had over the past few years, it's pretty hostile there. It, it gets very loud, as we saw against Cincinnati in that game, too. So what's the path for Arkansas to win this football game? What's got to happen on Saturday? Well, I, I kind of alluded to it. you got to get pressure on Spencer Rattler. Like, their offensive line is not good at South Carolina. Your defensive line is improved. you got a great pass rusher in Drew Sanders. Get after Spencer Rattler. You get after him. You pressure him into making mistakes. He threw two picks last Saturday. I'm I'm thinking that if they can do that same type of thing, get him rattled and no pun intended and end up throwing <laughs> some picks, that's going to be the difference in here. You cannot let him sit back there, though, because he is still a good quarterback. He's not. I don't think he's as great as what everyone makes him out to be, but he still is a good quarterback. If he just sits back there and waits with no pressure, he's going to beat you with it. So if you can get pressure on him, have him cost cost uh, cost them some mistakes. I think that'll be great for Arkansas. And then offensively, establishing that run. Like that's something that was tough to do against Cincinnati because they were physical up front, especially on the defensive line. So I think South Carolina is still a physical team, but not as much. If you can get Rocket to get another hundred yards, if you can get KJ to that eight seventy five to hundred yard game and, and just keep them honest. Uh, I think that uh, physicality will really wear down South Carolina later in the game. So you do those two things, I think Arkansas wins this game easily. All right, moment of truth, John. Can I nail you down to a prediction for this game? Who You got a score prediction or anything like that? Yeah, I think Arkansas wins. I think the last time I checked, they were an eight-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. So I still think Arkansas wins. I think it'll be a, again, not trying to disrespect, but it'll be an easier game for them than last weekend because it was just I was I felt that good about Cincinnati and how good they were. So I think Arkansas wins. Uh, I think they win by multiple possessions. I think it may be close at times, but Arkansas is never in danger of losing it. So I say Arkansas wins this game. Final score, 38-24. to Take care of business, and they are 2-0 and heading into Missouri State next weekend. All right. Thank you so much, John. Outstanding stuff. Before you leave, tell the audience what's the best way to find all your work. Yeah, you can follow me on all forms of social media, uh, Instagram, Twitter, whatever it is, Buzz John Neighbors, N-A-B-O-R-S. You can find all that stuff there. Also, subscribe uh, to the Locked On Razorbacks podcast on YouTube, especially as it's been uh, growing rapidly. You can do it there or wherever podcasts are found for all your Razorback content. It's the best way to check it out. And, uh, yeah, we have some fun. I talk trash. I don't try to make anyone too mad, but just know it's all in fun. And I'm a Razorback fan. I haven't been able to talk trash in a while, so it's it's always a good time on social media. So you can check me out on those on those platforms. Oh, one more thing I forgot. You, yeah. So obviously, neighbors, you watched the the Sunday night game. It was neighbors for LSU. It was blowing a damn game for them. Uh, what what was that? Are any relation? Uh, surprisingly, <laughs> no. If you can believe it. Um, yeah, we don't uh, don't know family uh, heritage here, but it is funny because you know my last name is spelled different from how neighbors is actually spelled like your next door neighbor it's n-e-i-g-h-b-o-r-s well mine's n-a-b-o-r-s i'm like man mine's dumb who would spell their name like that <laughs> and then i see this guy from lsu it's n-a-b-e-r-s so i'm like what are we doing here like what it's like how many different spellings of neighbors does there need to be but yeah when i saw him muff those two punts i'm like man you, you're putting shame on the neighbor's name man you're putting shame on it so yeah that, that was a pretty funny thing especially hearing joe tessitore say neighbors all the time i'm like Kept kind of looking up and seeing, oh, yeah, he's talking about him. So, yeah, that was a pretty cool thing. But he needs to catch those punts a little bit easier and stop shaming the name. All right, Shane. So, hey, John, appreciate him hopping on the line. He's picking the Arkansas Razorbacks. No surprise. Mm -hmm. We're we're three for three, Shane, for having homers on the show and making yeah. homer 
picks. So I'm curious to see what our buddy J.C. Sherbert does an outstanding job with the Big Spur, the go-to South Carolina website, uh, and his show, Inside the Gamecocks. If you're not checking that out already, you got to check it out. Let's kick it over to our interview with J.C. All right, we're pleased to be once again joined by J.C. Sherbert, owner of the Big Spur and host of Inside the Gamecocks. You got to check it out. One of my favorite shows on YouTube. And don't forget, he's got the J.C. and Morgan College Football Podcast with my man Mike Morgan, another favorite of the show. J.C., thanks for joining us. I really appreciate it. Hey, it's no problem, Mike. It's always great catching up with you, buddy. Yeah. So, hey, so much hype, so much anticipation for this Gamecock team heading into the season. What was your just overall thoughts on uh, the Gamecocks in the opener? And, and hell, have you ever seen the Gamecocks block two punts and return for a touchdown in a single game before? I have, but it's been 22 years. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'll tell you this story. Uh, it was the year 2000. Lou Holtz uh, was the coach at Carolina, and they had lost every game the year before. And he the, the 2000 season, they beat Georgia. They beat Mississippi State on an amazing pass by a backup quarterback. Uh, took Tennessee to the wire. Um, got down to the game against Florida, and that wasn't one of Florida's best teams Spurrier had. Uh, the game guys go to the swamp, and had they won, they'd have won the SEC East. Uh, it was the standings were kind of like that. Carolina, I think, had two losses in the league. Florida had one. Uh, and Derek Watson and Brian Scott both blocked punts for touchdowns in the first half. Gamecocks were up 21-3, and Spurrier, <laughs> as he was known to do, he's like, well, shoot, we're just not going to punt. We're just going to we're just gonna call this uh, little thing we, where we go around the end. So he runs a fake punt. You know, South Carolina had a good defense. Charlie Strong was their D coordinator that year. Carolina had a good defense. They run this fake punt, uh, and they score right after that. And then they score again right before the half where a ball hits a lineman in it, Florida lineman in his helmet, bang. Bounces up. I think Jabbar Gaffney ran under it and caught it for a touchdown. <laughs> Florida ends up winning 41-21. Uh, and they, of course, go on to Atlanta. And <clears throat> Lou takes his team to Outback Bowl that year. But it was uh, – I remember it happening early in that game, but it happened late Saturday night. And, you know, the good thing about it happening this year is uh, it's in the opener. I think it's going to make teams sort of pay close attention and spend time on South Carolina special teams during practice. Uh, which, of course, with only 20 hours, that cuts into your other prep time. Um, and, and I was happy for the players involved. You know, Rashad Amos returned one for a touchdown. He's a backup running back that had a redshirt last year. Instead of transferring, like a lot of people thought he was going to do, he stuck with it. Uh, he's going to be a really good player for Carolina. Um, and then DQ Smith, the freshman uh, safety, was a guy that they were going to gray shirt in recruiting uh, until they had enough space to bring him in. He's a local kid, played high school quarterback at Spring Valley, true freshman getting playing time uh, on at safety, on the punt team, whatever. Uh, and so, uh, you know, just happy for the players because uh, I know anytime you work that hard, maybe you're not playing as much on offense or defense, but you get out there and you get in that end zone, man, it, it, it's a good feeling. And uh, I think that makes the entire team feel good. Uh, and certainly for South Carolina, you know, it wasn't just that. They had 250-plus yard field goals. Their punter had a 79-yard punt. Uh, they faked a field goal for a first down that set up a touchdown. I mean, they were pretty active on special teams on Saturday night, and, and that was good to see along with the defense. Um, offense, you know, that still remains a question mark. Uh, I think they got more pieces in place this year, but 
Uh, it, it just seemed a little disjointed uh, on Saturday night, and that's, of course, a concern heading into Fayetteville. Yeah, what were your thoughts on Spencer Rattler? Again, so much hype with him. You know, I thought he was a little inconsistent through the two interceptions. One hit his receiver in the hands, so, you know, maybe that's not quite on Rattler. The other one, I think he kind of forced it. And But at the same time, I mean, he was running for his life a lot of that game. He was he was making plays uh, with his feet, and he was keeping, uh, you know, the, the possession alive with his feet looking downfield. So, you know, I'm, I'm not sitting here saying he was terrible or anything, just – I think kind of inconsistent would be the word I would use. What about you? Yeah, I, I think inconsistent. I think the, um, you know, the there were times uh, where I, 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 a lot of people are criticizing him for not standing in the pocket for a long time, and I, I get that because there were times he was supposed to, um, and I get that you know if if you know depending on who's doing the criticizing. Uh, you know, it kind of depends on like my opinion of their criticism <laughs> uh, because, you know, former quarterbacks and folks like that, I see, I see exactly why they, they wanted to do it. Um, you know, just your average Joe yelling and, and saying he had guys open when he didn't, I, I'm not into that, but uh, he, um, you know, I, I thought that I think at times, Mike, you know, when you're in a game like that, where you're just not getting any blocking and I'm talking, it wasn't just the offensive line. Uh, they didn't get good blocking on the perimeter from the receivers. The backs didn't block particularly well. The tight ends didn't block particularly well. Um, you know, sometimes your quarterback has to go make plays. And and so the, the positive of it is he went and made plays. And, and he extended drives and got them in a position. They would have lost that game had it not been for Spencer Rattler, in my opinion. Um, I think um, block punts aside, you know, you don't get anything on offense at all you know, I think that's going to give Georgia State a lot more life there at the end of the game to go beat you. And so um, I, I think he's only going to get better. I, I think, you know, when you look at the receivers South Carolina has this year, that it's night and day better than what it was. Uh, they've got two good tight ends. they got backs. Um, they just need to block. And, you know, and like I said, it's not just the line. Uh, and I know Georgia State has a different type of scheme. I mean, Georgia State did the same type of thing to Tennessee when they upset them. They did the same type of thing to Auburn when they almost upset them, where they're just uh, – and you know that Tennessee offensive line that year ended up being really good. You know, they struggled at the beginning, though, with that. And so, you know, lots of teams have struggled with the style of defense Georgia State plays. And I think that's what, you, what kind of gives you hope if you're the Gamecocks is, well, maybe this was just the first – a tough first game where they gave you fits and all you wanted uh, and things will kind of smooth out and get better. That's the hope, but you know this unit struggled last year up front and uh, all that good stuff. So, so it's kind of a uh, you know you ask me how Gamecock fans feel that they're, they're kind of a little apprehensive now because of the offensive struggles, but uh, still pretty hopeful for this season. Yeah, so I really wanted to ask you about that. Uh, you know, the offensive line at South Carolina. If you look at uh, their average distance to a first down on third down, it was nine point eight yards against Georgia State. So they really struggled in those early down situations, didn't convert a lot of those third downs, which no offense is going to convert a lot of third downs when you're facing third and 9.8. But uh, it, it sounds like it, it's an overall issue. Maybe you're not putting all the blame on the offensive line, but how big of a concern is that going into the Arkansas game, which we all got a lot of respect for Barry Odom and, and what he's capable of, of uh, doing on that defensive side? Sure, you're getting that against Arkansas. Barry Odom's going to be able to dial up just about anything he wants. You know, I mean, South Carolina has to get better 
on early downs. Um, you know, I don't know if, 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 if maybe, you know, at times that was Rattler maybe going uh, further down the field than he should, missing the open underneath guys. Uh, certainly the run game did not get much, enough of a push uh, to set up that second and less than five or third and short uh, where the advantage in play calling goes to the offense, that kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, it was unacceptable. I mean, to be honest, in terms of the goals South Carolina has as a team this year, you can't have that. Uh, you know, you can have that in one game, but if it's consistently like that all year, uh, you're going to struggle, especially against a good team like the Razorbacks. I mean, out there, it's, it's uh, you know, uh, you get in third and 9.8 all the time, Michael, they're, they're going to be calling the Hogs quite a bit on you. Uh, and it's going to get loud and and, and going to give their defense a lot of motivation to go uh, disrupt your money down, so to speak. So I, I think that's important, early down success. Uh, heading into the game on Saturday and really for the rest of the year. And one thing I really loved in the opener from the Gamecocks, JC, was uh, Jaheim Bell, the, the way they manufactured touches for him out of the backfield. I believe even on the two, one of the two-point conversions, he was like a fullback right up the gut and scored. Uh, I imagine you had to love that. And it's almost like, you know, he gets sometimes that Debo Samuel comparison. Maybe that's not fair because Debo was – arguably the best skill position player in the NFL last year, but you got to love the fact that they're, they're getting very creative to get bell more touches this fall. And, and he certainly is going to be an X factor in this game. Uh, absolutely. And he's, you know, he's not as fast as Debo probably in, uh, you know, if they raced, uh, but he's bigger, he's six, three, two He kind of reminds me also of a guy named Jalen Samuels who played for NC state back in 2017. They, the Wolfpack sort of used him a lot like, uh, the Gamecocks are using Jaheim. Um, would I like to have seen him do a little more in the vertical passing game? Certainly. I, I think that I think he could be a weapon there, as we saw against North Carolina last year, uh, downfield throws, things like that. Uh, but the same thing holds true, true for Juice Wells at receiver. You know, he was kind of an underneath guy. Um, but I, I like the plan uh, for Jaheim. I, I, uh, I really think that uh, he's a guy that could also help Michael, you know, if you're having trouble perimeter blocking he can slide out to receiver and you know you throw a little bubble and he can block for you I mean because he's he's good at that so uh I was uh I, I like the way they used him I like the way they used Marshawn Lloyd uh I did like some of the the five wide empty stuff and, and the tempo they attempted to run um you know Jalen Brooks had a really good game and that guy uh you know he came from Wingate two years ago right and everybody, I don't. I, and after after the game, that I was like, I don't ever want to hear about anybody coming from Wingate again. And like it's a negative, you know. Uh, and, and you know, he was up and down for two years and, and missed half of last season because of a suspension. But he's back and athletically, he's always belonged. And it looks like he's learned to get better and catch the football consistently. And boy, he made some outstanding catches. So, you know, playing like a man with his hair on fire, really. Um, and so I, I think South Carolina has some pieces. I just, uh, you, you, in football, you have to put it all together or it's just pieces, you know, like we all know. And so uh, they're hopeful that they can do that this weekend. But I, I did, uh, one of the po few positives I did take from the offense was, you know, hey, they're going to make an effort to move Jaheim around just like we were told and, you know, uh, get him the ball in various ways because he, he's always kind of a, a big play waiting to happen. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Jalen Brooks because I was going to ask you that. He's now, I know it's just one game, but he's your leading receiver. Did you see that coming? And do you think he can keep that going or is it, was this maybe more of a one-off here? I don't I don't think it's a one-off, Michael. I, I think sometimes players 
develop at different rates. Uh, I think uh, uh, when he and he's had some things happen, right? So he comes in from Wingate, you know, during a year in 2020 where South Carolina, uh, you, you can ask if you ever interview Mike Bobo, you can ask him about this. They basically had one receiver, Shy Smith. That's it. Uh, and Jalen kind of was a late addition, uh, went through the NCAA appeals process. Uh, it was game five by the time he got eligible. Uh, it was LSU <laughs> in Baton Rouge. Uh, he And I'll never forget, he comes off the line. He's supposed to run a slant, and he gets jammed, man, and it's a pick six, uh, or, or at least a pick down to about the one-yard line because he couldn't get off the line. Well, he kept playing and trying and, and made some nice, tough catches as the season went on, made some nice, tough catches at times early last year, also dropped some balls. Um, he didn't drop anything the other night. So I, I think that's that confidence uh, and, and that athleticism sort of matching his skill set as a player. In other words, you know, he's always – he's never looked like – you know, even when he couldn't get off the line, I think it just surprised him. He's never looked like athletically he didn't belong in the SEC. He he just hasn't performed like an SEC level receiver. Well, uh, I, I thought that uh, Saturday night he certainly did, uh, and you know, caught one little pass. Even you know the, the acrobatic long passes were great, but he caught one and then ran for about sixteen yards and looked like his his hair was on fire. So uh, that's what you want is guys that bring that passion, that refusal to yield. Uh, but can also go out there and execute uh, and keep their head about them and, and make tough catches and concentrate and things of that nature at that position. So I, I think he's here to stay. You know, I'm, I'm looking for Josh Van to to make a comeback this week because, you know, I think uh, I think Brooks outplayed him, Wells outplayed him, you know, some other guys have outplayed him. So, you know, Van was a leading receiver last year, so he he really needs to come on uh this weekend and, and so they can have even more options for uh spencer rattler to throw to and what were your thoughts uh overall on, on clayton white's defense you know they got they got the rushing total was not ideal they got gashed for a couple big runs but hey uh georgia state had 15 drives seven of them were three and outs the quarterback for georgia state finished his last 17 passes he only completed one of them so we got to credit the secondary there for for getting the job done uh, what's your level of, of confidence that they can kind of – you're not going to stop Arkansas on the ground because they're so damn good on the ground, but can you limit them? Uh, what's your confidence level that South Carolina could do that? Uh, I think they can. Um, you know, it, it's going to reverse a trend if they do because South Carolina – you know, I wrote an article today on the Big Spur that, you know, they've kind of struggled on the road the last three years. and The common thread is they haven't played good defense on the road at all, even last year, uh, and, and that's in the SEC, of course. Um, but South Carolina as a defense last year, playing Florida and, and Emory Jones and playing North Carolina and Sam Howell. Now those are different guys. KJ Jefferson is a unique guy, right? He's different. Uh, but still there's that dual threat guy. We got to limit the quarterback run game. I thought, I thought Carolina did a good job of that, uh, the other night against Georgia state. I, I thought most of Georgia state's damage was done early and late. Uh, and you always want that. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I I do think, you know, looking at those two games schematically, you know, I don't I don't know if you can scheme them up exactly alike, but Longo's offense, kind of similar to Browse, uh, Longo's at North Carolina. So, you know, the, the, the short answer is yes, they're capable. Um, and not just based on last year, but based on improved personnel, 
I think there's a better chance for that defense to go have a big time outing on the road, which you have to do to win on the road in the SEC. You have to play defense. Uh, you know, you, you can win a shootout every now and then if, if, you, if you're playing a team like you that doesn't play defense, but it's very difficult. Uh, and, and the reason is they're improved at linebacker. Um, you know, Muhammad Kaba, a former four-star recruit out of North Carolina who has kind of rebounded from an injury and, and gotten better and better and better, he basically took the starting linebacker's job th this offseason. Carolina had two returning stars. He took one of them. Uh, and then a kid, Debo Williams, who they also got out of the transfer portal from Delaware. Uh, as soon as Shane Beamer got to South Carolina, he's Marshawn Lloyd's friend. He showed a lot of quickness and instincts. Brad Johnson played pretty well the other night. Uh, Sherrod Green didn't even play. I think he had a little injury or something, so he'll be back out there. Um, and Sam Pittman, uh, in his press conference this week for Arkansas, mentioned, uh, you know, it would be shocking to any South Carolina person uh, last year for somebody to say this, <laughs> that, hey, they've got great linebackers. Anytime you got great linebackers, you got a chance to have a great defense. And for Sam Pittman to notice that, uh, I think it's a testament to the improvement at that spot. And so, uh, you know, hey, that, that's a little bit – you feel a little bit better taking this group out there uh, than maybe you would have last year where you were a speed deficient at linebacker and really kind of had to uh, do some things in the front seven smoke and mirrors-wise. I, I think this year South Carolina is much better uh, across the front four and, and in the front seven in general. All right, last thing for you, JC. What is the path for South Carolina to go on the road and get a win in Razorback Stadium, and what's your prediction for the game? Well, I, I think for South Carolina to win, you know, they're going to have to find some kind of way to scratch out a run game. Uh, you know, whether that's uh, is Christian Bill Smith more suited now that he's healthy to come in and and do some things? Can they get Lloyd loose? Can they get McDowell on the edge? Can Bell do some things? Some kind of run game uh, to keep the Hogs defense uh, honest. And and then I think Arkansas, you know, they've they do have some injuries in the secondary, man, but, you know, and, and Catalan may not play, and he's elite, as we all know, but his uh, his backup's Latavius Brini, who started, what, 12 games at Georgia last year <laughs> on that defense? Uh, so, uh, you know, how much of a drop-off are they really going to have? I, I did notice, though, even when healthy, uh, Cincinnati had some success throwing the ball all down the field against them. So if South Carolina can pass protect and give Rattler time, or if Rattler's able to scramble and make plays downfield and the receivers play well, uh, avoid turnovers, get some kind of running game, I think the offense can go out there and compete. And then, you know, as far as Carolina's defense goes, you know, you've got to play the run well. You can't let Jefferson beat you. Uh, I think South Carolina maybe, you know, at least for the beginning of the game, uh, almost served to to do, go, you know, man up coverage on some of these guys uh, that they have because you, you just don't want Jefferson and Rocket Sanders uh, to line up and start gashing you, and then they're going to go to the perimeter and hit Knox or somebody out there. And it's, you know, the Kendall Browse offense. And so uh, I, I don't know that the Gamecocks don't maybe, you know, cover one-on-one -on -one and, and stack the box just to keep them from running if they have to do that. Uh, if not, then uh, if they can stop them as is, uh, then I think South Carolina can be successful. Uh, as far as what I think, you know, that's the key to the game for the Gamecocks. As far as how I see it, you know, just predicting it, you know, right now, Michael, I, I think, and look, things can change in the blink of an eye in college football, right? On, on, on one Saturday, your whole perception can change. So this is, 
but you got to live in the now. I think when you're predicting things, uh, otherwise you're, you just, you know, always predict your team to win. <laughs> that doesn't do anybody any good. I, I think these two programs are at two different spots. I think Arkansas and Arkansas even has a Pittman has a year ahead of Beamer. You know, he was, he's, he's got a year uh, where he's, uh, you know, bit worth a building uh, before Beamer. I think he took over a much worse situation, but, you know, he's had a year. It's his third year. Arkansas is 10-4 in their last 14 games. They've beaten Penn State, Cincinnati, Texas, Texas A&M, LSU, Mississippi State, Missouri. I mean, you name it. Like, they've beaten some – they've consistently beaten good teams. They lost by a touchdown at Bama last year. Uh, they did get boat raced by Georgia, had an inexplicable loss to Auburn, and then lost in a shootout to Ole Miss, Right. You know, this is not a rebuilding program anymore. This is a good, solid program. They have identity on both sides of the ball. They, like I said, they've beaten some good teams, but very competitive against some others. Uh, so the question becomes is the South Carolina program ready to go out there and pull the upset? I don't think they are, uh, just based on what I've seen so far. So I'd say Hogs win something like 34 21. And it's going to be probably, I'd say, a competitive game for a while. But I think, uh, like Arkansas does a lot of times, when they pull away late and get the ground game going, run out the clock. I kind of see it kind of playing out like that. Probably a frustrating day at the ballpark for Gamecock fans. But uh, like I said, you know, things can change in the blink of an eye in college football. Uh, but you got to call it like you see it based on what you know right now. Mm. Well, just some outstanding stuff, JC. I really appreciate all this insight. Where's the best place for the audience to find you? Uh, the big spur.com is the home of, of South Carolina sports uh, on 24 seven sports. We've been 24 seven now for gosh, it's our 12th year, uh, 12th football season with 24 uh, seven. Also, uh, if you want to catch inside the Gamecocks, the show or learn more about the JC and Morgan college football podcast, JC and Morgan's more for like the general, like college football audience. Uh, sometimes we don't even talk about South Carolina. Uh, go to my YouTube channel. It's youtube.com slash the big spur. Uh, and you can check out all that information right there. Would love it if you went and hit subscribe on that page too, because we have a lot of fun. Oh, Shane, the streak is snapped. <laughs> Four holes. Why does it? Three why winners. doesn't he love South Carolina? Huh? <laughs> I think this is one Shane where where you you go in and you 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 try to be realistic, and then if yeah. your team flips the script, you're like, I knew they had it in them all along. <laughs> you know that's right. It's like taking the, the, the training wheels off your kid's bike, you know? It's like if he falls down, you're like, well, he's got to learn, you know? If he makes it, he says, just like daddy taught him, you know? But I hope uh, everyone appreciated those interviews. And we've got two more lined up for the – Yes. You know, we're going to have our picks podcast, of course, but we've got a Kentucky guy. Are we picking now? And a Florida no. guy <laughs> on the next episode, Shane. So two more guests, picks. We'll, we'll have prize picks of the week. We'll have wagers yes. of the week. We even yes. might have another sponsorship lined up. So, <laughs> man, this has just been a heck of a week here. We're, we're marching yeah. towards week two in the SEC, what I'm calling Separation Saturday, Shane, because we got right. so, so many crossroads games, so much great football. I cannot wait. How about you? Me either, man. And keep those koozie pictures coming. I, I saw one today out of a jacuzzi down in Gainesville, and I I said, Mike, you ever feel bad for him koozies? <laughs> but I couldn't say that because we're not Tennessee, Florida week just yet. But I love the bickering online. You know, I'm seeing the fight between Arkansas and South Carolina. Yep. I'm seeing the fight between Kentucky and Florida. Oh, my gosh, it's Will Levis. 
the uh, you know Richardson. Who's who's the best quarterback? Who's the true Heisman? Yep. Uh, who's who's the champ of the East? Man, these guys are going back and forth, and that's what it's all about. So we finally get some SEC play. Uh, we got a little. We got some great interviews today, and we're gonna have some great interviews for you tomorrow. And uh, I just love it. We'll keep the content coming. Be sure to jump on the the YouTube. Uh, subscribe. That thing's really taking off. Uh, if you want to see us in video, now if you <laughs> just be careful, you know. <laughs> Don't get your expectations too high, but uh, but I will say it's, it's pretty cool what Mike's doing with the graphics and stuff. Uh, he's keeping up with our with our gambling, so you know you guys can keep up, hopefully make some money this year. But that SEC podcast on YouTube, uh, send those five star reviews so you can get your own koozie so you can watch them during the games. Yep, and the beautiful thing, Shane, of all this bickering, all this arguing, all this, you know, picking this side, picking that side, mm-hmm. we're going to find out Saturday who the That's real it. quarterbacks are, who's the best team, and uh, I cannot wait for it. But that is going to do it for this episode, Shane. I appreciate you as always. I appreciate mm-hmm. each and every one of you for showing up. We'll catch you on the next one. All right, see you guys. Go balls. <laughs>